everyone. Uh, I'm extra excited uh, this morning. We met, we have many guests here with us this morning, um, staying for the baptismal service that we have uh, after uh, the service today. And um, as I was looking through the candidates that will be baptized today, we have one woman named Ruby who is getting ready to turn 90 in a couple of weeks, who's being baptized today. I think that's pretty cool. And... Uh, and, and another woman, Doreen, who's in her 70s, who is uh, going to get baptized today. And, uh, I, you know, we've got younger children and we've got young adults. He, here's the thing I love about that, is that God never gives up on us. And you're never too old to make a decision for Jesus. And uh, so if you've never been to a Living Word baptismal service, there's nothing like it. This is my favorite thing we do all year. Um, we're going to celebrate a life that's been changed. So if you, I want you to come. Just hang out after. Uh, I, I, I've got a rumor. Rumor has it. We've got Savoia cookies. So if anything, stay for that. Um, but let me have a couple, okay? Just save some for me because I need a couple of those. Those are my favorite. And uh, if, you, if you'd stay, you're going to be blessed. And we celebrate. We've got noisemakers. We're going we're gonna to hoot and holler because there's nothing greater than a life that has been changed by Christ. That's why Jesus came, isn't he? He came to seek and save that which was lost. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus knows who you are. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're, we're looking at a series uh, that we've been going through. And what we do here at our church, we, we take, many times we take a topic and, uh, that's in the Bible and we spend a couple weeks on it, maybe two, three, four, five weeks, and we, we discuss it. And we see what the Word of God has to say about that. And the topic that we're in this week is, is in the last couple weeks, is on the Holy Spirit. And, and what is the Holy Spirit's uh, role in our life? And how does that look? And, and how does the Holy Spirit comfort us? How does the Holy Spirit give us hope? And there's this special relationship that God the Father wants us to have with the Holy Spirit. That Jesus even said, he says, when I leave, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. But, but I'll ask the Father to send one just like me, a helper that will come and help you in your everyday living. And so that's what we've been talking about. How many of you are, are, are grandparents? Your, your grandparents. Okay, we've got a lot of, we, oh, okay. It's, I can't wait to be a grandparent. You know, I, it's just, that's the best job because, you know, you just, you, you give your, you know, you give your kids over to the grandparents and they just feed them candy and they hype them all up and then they send them back to the parents, right? And, and to work out all the, the issues. Um, I remember when my, kid, my kids are older now, they're in college and I have a daughter that's a senior in high school, so all my kids are older. But I can remember when uh, Kathleen and I, we needed date nights because our kids would drive us nuts. So we like, mom and dad, we, we've got to go out. We've got to rediscover each other because, you know, when you have kids, you're just immersed in that. And so... Um, so when we would try to get away, you know, our kids would ask, well, who's watching us? That would be their first question. And we had great babysitters, but she, they would say, who's watching us? And so uh, when they knew that my parents were watching them, they loved it. They were like, because here's the reason why they loved it. Uh, my parents would bring their favorite food, uh, mac and cheese, you know, all the good stuff that's really good for them. Uh, they would bring the snacks that they loved. They would bring the desserts that they loved. And they would bring the favorite movies that they loved. And so then our kids would ask us, stay out as long as you want. You know, <laughs> if you want to go for a week, go for a week. We're, we're, 
we're good. And so at first they were a little anxious, like who's watching us. But, but the moment they knew that my parents were watching them, they were good. They were totally cool with grandma and papa watching them. And, and they, they never missed us and they loved it. And, and here's the thing, Jesus, um, he's getting towards the end of his ministry and the disciples begin to hear talk of, of Jesus is going to leave and, and Jesus is going to finish his work here on earth by atoning for our sins on the cross and then eventually through his resurrection from the dead. And so he begins to tell this to his disciples and the disciples are getting a little worried. They're, they're wondering, Jesus, where are you going? And, and they begin to worry. And Jesus relieves their worry by telling them, I'm going to send another. I'm going to send one just like me who will be with you, who will comfort you. Um, And I think some of the most comforting words in the New Testament to relieve our fear of loneliness is John 14. I just want you to look at this. You can look at the screens here. John 14, Jesus says to them, he says, listen, don't let your hearts be what? Troubled. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me for my father's house has many rooms or mansions or dwelling places. And if it were not so, he goes, I would have told you. He goes, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So I'm going to leave, but I'm sending one just like me in my place. And it's the Holy Spirit who will be with you, who will comfort you, who will guide you. And so what Jesus does in that very same chapter of John 14, he gives them something that will relieve their, their tension, that will relieve their fear. And he begins to tell them, about the person of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 14 to 15, he says, if you love me, or or verses 15 to 16 in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That is the Holy Spirit, another helper, that he may be with you forever. I'm I'm not going to leave you alone. Further down a couple verses in, in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And and that word comfortless can literally be translated also fatherless or orphaned. I'm not going to leave you alone. You're not going to feel alone. And and I believe one of the most, this is one of the most significant promises in scriptures that that we would never be alone. And, And I think one of the greatest fears that we would have that every single one of us, I think, experience in our lives is loneliness. That fear of, of being alone. How many of you have ever experienced this where you were in a room with a bunch of people and you felt alone? Or you've gone through a tremendous thing in your life and you're bearing this tremendous burden. Maybe it was a health issue. Maybe it was just a trial you're going through. And you're bearing this thing and, and there's other people around you that are trying to help you, but you just you feel like you're bearing this burden all by yourself. And you feel alone. We've all experienced that at times. We all experienced that times of loneliness. Um, and, and, and Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to leave you alone. You, you, can, you can know that I'm going to be with you. Um, I remember I, I, I experienced this, this time of loneliness um, last summer. And um, it's funny thinking back on it. But when I, when, you know when you go through experience, you're like, it's so tense. And then you look back and you're, you can kind of laugh about it sometimes like, Maybe I got too worried about that or, or whatever. Maybe I got too emotional about that. Well, there was a time, last summer, we were, at, we were staying at Cuca Lake, and I have a little uh, fishing boat. It's like 14 feet with a 20-horse Evinrude Tiller engine on the back. So it's just a little 
putt around. It's great. It used to be my father-in-law's, and and uh, I love it, and it's great for fishing. And um, uh, we got done at the end of the week, and we had to take the boat out of the water. So my wife Kathleen is going to take the boat trailer and meet me down at the boat launch. Well, where we're staying is about a 25-minute, for me, in my boat, anybody else has a bigger boat, it's a five-minute ride, but for me, it takes about 25 minutes. So what happened was we have to get the boat out because we have to leave the leave the cottage, and, and we're, we're, a storm just came through. I mean, just hor- a horrific storm. And so I'm like, man, i got to get the boat out. So the storm leaves. Waves were blowing up. I mean, it was just crazy. Storm leaves, and it just got calm, and it's flat. And I go, okay, this is my opportunity to get the boat to the launch. I'm going to jump in the boat, um, and I'm just going to gun it, and, and we're going we're gonna to make it. Well, what I didn't realize is there was a storm that just popped up behind me. So there's a storm behind me, and I caught up to the storm that was in front of me. So I'm in the boat. There's no one on the water, and it's dark now. And so I see the storm behind me, and I see, and I'm going into the storm now. It's pouring rain. It's lightning, and then the waves start picking up. So I'm in the middle of the Cuca Lake all by myself. Did I tell you that I had a 14-foot boat with only a 20-horse engine, Okay. <laughs> I'm gunning this thing, and the boat's bouncing all, all over the place. And I start to get nervous. I'm like, I'm not even, like, I'm still 15 minutes to go. I go, I'm going to die in my fishing boat. Now, that's not a bad way to go. If, if you go, that's not a bad way to go. So I admit, I, I'm starting to get scared. I'm all alone. It's dark. There's no one there. Um, I start singing, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, I'm just... I'm nervous. And here's the funny thing. This is the funny thing. As I'm out there, all of a sudden, something dropped into my mind. It, it, was, it was just all of a sudden, in the middle of the storm, the storm's behind me. I'm going into the storm. I'm seeing lightning, waves, water coming into the boat. I'm like, I'm going to die. You know, should I just pull off to a cottage and just knock on their door and say, you know, I go, I, I, but I kept going. So I kept going. And all of a sudden, um, this, this verse came into my mind. I remember when I was uh, a, a teenager in high school, I was on the swim team, and I had a big swim meet the next day. And my mom, I never forgot it. She put this verse on my pillow. Now, this is before I became a Christian. She was always trying to slip Jesus stuff on me and trying to push Jesus on me, right? It worked, by the way, but she was, she was sneaky. And so she put this verse um, on my pillow. It's amazing how the word of God sticks to your heart. And it was Isaiah 43, 2. And this, this is the verse that came to my mind. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And for some reason, that just gave me a calm. It's like, Lord, I know you're with me. It was like the Holy Spirit just speaking to me in the midst of the storm. Now, looking back, I probably was a little overdramatic, you know. But thinking back, it was just that comfort of God dropping this verse in my heart. And it, 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 it amazes me how God reminds us that we're never alone. That we're never alone. That's why the promises of, 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 the promise of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit is so comforting. Because all of us, at times... We battle that feeling of loneliness. In fact, I read an article from Scientific American. And in this article, it's really interesting about loneliness. It was a 2018 study of nearly 6,000 people across the United States. They examined uh, widows 
who unsurprisingly felt lonely, more lonelier than those of married adults. But here's was the interesting thing. After those widows started to volunteer at least one or two or three more hours a week, the average level of loneliness subsided to match that of married adults. And even after the controlled and the demographics and baseline health, personality traits, and other social involvement, they noticed that their loneliness dropped when they began to volunteer. And what they concluded from the article is people are wanting desperately to connect. Not through a screen, or, but face-to-face with other people in their community. And in the article, the, the author of the article uh, gave a personal story of when she was in a, a large city, and she was in a bus. And while she was in the bus, she was passing by this small coffee cafe, and she witnessed an elderly man that was in front of the cafe. I don't know why this gets to me, but... And he was in front of a chessboard by himself, just waiting for someone to stop to play chess with him. And he just sat there, and he would look up every once in a while, she said, to try to catch the eyes of people, of someone that would, would maybe stop and just play chess with him. And, and she goes, but people are too busy, you know, on their phones and looking this way or whatever, that they never even noticed the man sitting in front of a chessboard by himself, waiting for someone to play chess with him. And the writer shared at the end of the article, she goes, I wish I could have stopped my bus and skipped my plans that day to play chess with the older man. She said, he struck me as a symbol of our times. People wanting desperately to connect, not through a screen, but face to face with other people. See, at the end of the day, Jesus understood this about us, that we were never meant to be alone. God knows this about us. The Holy Spirit wants to play chess with us. See, what does it mean to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life where you, where you don't have to feel that loneliness anymore? Because Jesus knew this about our hearts. And he knew that this was going to comfort his disciples by saying, listen, I don't want your hearts to be troubled. I, I don't want you to feel like you're alone. And I'm going to send this, this helper to you to help you to get through the difficult things of your life. Because we all know that life stinks at times, doesn't it? It just does. It's not, this world isn't perfect. We, we know we all struggle through this world. We're not meant for this world. And that's why Jesus came to send us home, to, to show us the way home. To deal with our biggest spiritual issue, and that was our sin issue, to take care of that for us that we couldn't take care of it ourselves, to show us the way home. And so he says, I'm going to give you this helper. And so I want to just give you a couple of things real quick this morning on, on how to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and to understand that the Holy Spirit is there guiding you and giving you comfort. And you'll be able to know the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life because it will do some things in your heart and your life that will cause you to want to grow closer to the Lord. That's why Jesus equips us with the Holy Spirit because he knows that's what's going to cause us to grow closer to the Lord. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity are perfect in unity. There's no loneliness within the fellowship of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what Jesus does is, see, God doesn't invite us into his kingdom because he was lonely. 
Because he has that perfect fellowship of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What Jesus does is he comes for us to invite us into that relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To experience that fellowship that you will never be alone. He invites us into the dance and says, I want you to come. And I want you to experience something that you will never, ever experience in this world. This world can never satisfy your longing. Our hearts have a deep, deep desire for belonging, but this world can never do that. And so God says, I'm going to invite you into this perfect fellowship so you can experience it. And so Jesus says, this Holy Spirit, my Holy Spirit will come in you and reside in you. That you might experience me in a deeper level than you would ever know. It's not experienced through religion or religious activities. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't know God that way. He says, but I can allow you to know me by giving you the presence of my Holy Spirit. So I invite you in. And so let me give you this first thing. That the presence of the Holy Spirit will give you an ever-increasing love for God. It will give you an ever-increasing love for God. It will help us to feel the love of God in a much more deep and resounding way. Um, the Apostle Paul helps us to understand what this means. So he's going to give us an ever-increasing love for God. And let me give you a couple passages here that the Apostle Paul writes about when the Holy Spirit is in our life and how it gives us that uh, more increasing love for God in our lives and, and experiencing God's love in our life. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. And here's the reason why. He goes, because... He has given us the spirit to fill our hearts with what? His love. He's given us the Holy Spirit so that we might experience his love and love him more. And then in chapter 8 of Romans, this is how you know that the spirit of God is in your heart. You're going to have this ever increasing more love of God and wanting to know him more. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, does not put you in bondage, does not say, hey, make sure you do all the right things, and duh, 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 right? And then you feel condemned all the time because you feel like, am I doing enough good? And have I done enough bad? You know, am I, oh, my good? Oh, wait, am I bad? And he says, no, it doesn't put you into slavery anymore. He says, so that you, so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, what Paul is telling us is that the presence of the Holy Spirit within us confirms we are adopted as God's children. And Paul even goes even further than that. He goes even further than that than just having this stale, dull, religious calisthenics that we go through. Like, hey, I went to church. I did my duty check, you know. The Holy Spirit gives you this deep desire, this experience to want to know God every single day. It's not some religious, dead religious thing. It's this experience like, I love God and, and I want him to be part of my life and I want to grow closer to him because I know that God is my father. And he's not going to let me go. Uh, there's one thing that I love seeing. I love seeing um, stories or video clips of a military mom or dad who has been away on leave and then surprises their children. Ever see those? If you don't cry over those, there's something wrong with you. 
All right. I want to I want to show you one that I just absolutely love. Look up at the screen at this one of a dad surprising his son. While I can't watch so, it again because I'm gonna start crying is. again. I I, I I love those stories. Um, what I love about about that story is or, or, or kids seeing their parents when they come back is it, 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 in that moment that child when he sees his dad and being caught up in the father's arms. I want you to realize, doesn't make him a son anymore than before that meeting his dad and being caught up in his arms, or, or legally speaking. What's the difference there? The son being caught up in the father's arms makes the son feel that his sonship to his dad, he feels it more intimately. I mean, the father knows that his son, he, he didn't say, he didn't go up to the son after he doesn't, hello, son, I'm your father. You know, nice to see you. I've been away for a year. What does the son do? He runs into his arms. See, I want you to see that's what Paul says. When the Holy Spirit is within you, it's not this fear that like God, you know, I'm, God is a holy God and we, need, and we need to have a holy fear of him. But God wants to have an intimate relationship with you that you can run into his arms. And that's why Jesus says, Abba, Father. There is this special intimate relationship. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. The spirit within us makes us cry, Abba, Father. I love what Paul shares about the work of the Holy Spirit and our lives as adopted children. It's not mechanical without any feeling or emotion. The spirit gives us the experience of being God's children to where we cry out, Abba, Father, or personally, my father. That's my dad. That's my dad. And I can run into his arms, and he's going to receive me, and he's going to love me. That boy didn't stop and say, well, Dad, wait, before you hug me, i got to tell you all the bad things I did. I didn't listen to mom sometimes. I made some mistakes. I didn't take out the garbage when I was supposed to. Can we do that first before I hug you? Is that what the dad did? No. He just ran into his arms. He just ran into his arms. See, to cry out means to profoundly have a personal experience. It's not some impersonal call. It's one of nearness and confidence that my dad is near. And so why did the little boy in the video, the young boy, have such confidence his father would not reject him? Because he knew his dad. He knew his dad. The Holy Spirit within us gives us, gives us an assurance that God will not reject us. We have full confidence that God will receive us. I love that about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another thing that the Holy Spirit does with his presence. The presence of the Holy Spirit gives us an ever-increasing love for each other, for one another. I know some of you, there are some people, you say, well, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to love people, but do I have to like them, right? And I, I, it's hard sometimes, right? I, I love Paul. He writes, to, um, he writes to a church in, in Corinth, and this church is, is just not really doing a great job at um, loving each other. They're, they're 
being used in the gifts of the Spirit, and they're more concerned about those things than really understanding what it means to love each other. And Paul kind of writes to them to say, listen, you, you, you got this wrong. You may be doing these spiritual things, but you're missing the most important thing on how you love one another. Because if the Spirit is really in our lives, it's going to give us an ever-increasing love for one another and how we treat each other. And so what Paul does is, many of you may have heard this uh, chapter at a wedding. If you've ever attended a wedding, it's a very popular verse at a wedding. But it really isn't a wedding verse. I mean, it's good for couples. I think it's important we follow this. But it really was to correct a church that was missing the main objective of why they are a church. And if the love of Christ is in our heart, then it's, it's, the fruit of that is going to be seen in how we treat each other. And how we love each other. And so I, I need the Holy Spirit in my life to help me to love other people. Because how many know we, we all have our idiosyncrasies? You know, we all have our little things. You know, especially those you live with each other, right? You know, you're like, yeah, I know my spouse. They got a lot of stuff, right? They, you know, and so we all know each other. And it's, it, it's how, do we, how do we deal with each other through those and love each other through our idiosyncrasies? Well, Paul in this chapter of Corinthians 13, he says this about what love is. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am just a noisy gong or just a clanging cymbal. Just, just noise. It's all this. Just, just, if I have prophetic powers and understand the mysteries of all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am Nothing. Paul says, you can have all these greatest spiritual gifts and do all these miraculous things. But if you're not loving one one another, it's nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not loved, I gain nothing. So then Paul explains what it looks like to be a person that is being led by the spirit of God, who has the spirit within them. He says, love is patient. How many of you struggle with being patient? Good. I'm with you. I'm raising my hand too. Love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And so Paul writes and saying, listen, this is where you got to find balance in your life. If, if there's not an ever-increasing love in your heart for other people, there's a disconnect with the Holy Spirit working in your life. So how many know that we're all work in progress and these are things we all can work on? But these are the things we need to strive through as we have our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says that the ultimate evidence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a church is love. That's the evidence. Love is the evidence of what the Holy Spirit is doing within our hearts. And so Paul is emphatic that we understand that we should never lose our love for one another, that we need to be the ones that work at reconciliation, that work at not harboring bitterness and unforgiveness within our hearts, that we should be the ones that are seeking to find resolve. 
And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the ability to do that. And then the last thing I just want to give to you today um, is that the presence of the Holy Spirit gives us an ever-increasing sense of peace and hope. This is, this is the one that is near and dear to my heart. Because as we, um, as we strive in our lives, there are going to be situations that we face and circumstances that we face that try to draw the hope out of our heart. And there's nothing worse than being hopeless in a situation. And what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts, it gives us this ever-increasing sense of hope and peace, even though we may face trials of many kinds or, or, or hopeless situations of, of many kinds. And you know, as a pastor, I do many, many funerals. And many times as I do funerals, there are many people that come to funerals and you can just tell they have this hopelessness because when you're, when you're at a funeral, you're kind of faced with the reality of eternity. What happens after I die? And for the early apostles and those that follow Christ and the disciples, even though they went through extreme things in their lives, they had this hope within them. And Paul, he's going to describe all the things he went through. And the apostle Paul did not live from our eyes this wonderful life. He went through so many hardships. I think if Paul were to write a self-help book today, nobody would buy it. Be like, I don't want to be like that. And so Paul understood what hardships were all about, but he had this hope within him because his hope was not in this world or what this world could deliver. His hope was in a savior that conquered this world for him. That his hope was in a savior that was preparing a place for him. And so he could have the right perspective because really it's all about the right perspective. If you're putting your perspective in the things of this world, you will be disappointed. You will be let down. There's nothing in this world that can ever, ever completely satisfy us. And so that's why the Apostle Paul could go through what he went through and have a right perspective about this world. Yes, did God bless him? Yes. Was he happy? Yes. But he went through tremendous trials within his life. And so thinking about death is not, if you stop thinking about it, it doesn't make it go away. It doesn't. It, the reality is it's still there. And so here's the hope that the Holy Spirit gives us. And it's an ever-increasing sense of, of hope. And I want to finish with this passage, and then we're just going um, to sing a closing song, and I want to pray for you today. And then we're going to party with Savoia cookies, okay? We're going to just party with baptismal service and just celebrate changed lives. And so let me read this. Here's Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at a couple of verses there in chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says. I love this. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. He goes, anywhere I turn, uh, there's troubles. But we're not crushed. We are perplexed. But. Everybody say but. But. Here, here's the other side. He says, but we're not driven to despair. It's not going to conquer us. It's not going to get me because my hope's in Jesus. Solid foundation. A solid rock. An anchor that's holding firm. I added that in. It's not there, but I just added that in. He goes, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We're even, at times, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Though we suffer 
Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul had a correct perspective. He says, you know what? But this is what I was called to do. He says, but we are going to continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Look at the next verse. That's why we never give up. That's a man that's confident because he knows who he is in Christ. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. I want to ask you this morning, where is your hope? Where are you fixing your gaze? Where are you fixing your hope? And the only hope we have for our desperate hearts is Jesus Christ. That's why he came. So that he could fill you with his hope and his glory even in the midst of trials and uncertainty that we see in, 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 in our lives we have this certain hope that Jesus said to us, I want to give you my peace. But in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I want to put my hope in a Savior who conquered this world. Not in my good. I don't want to put my hope in my goodness or the works I've done because they will never match up to a holy, perfect God. But Jesus said, put your faith in me. If you put your hope and your trust in me, then whoever dies will actually live. I am the resurrection and the life. Put your hope in me. And then what God says to us is, you put your hope in Christ, you find your forgiveness in Christ, I will now impute his righteousness into your life that you may stand before me and be heirs to eternal life. That's why Jesus came. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk through this earth with that ever-presence of knowing that the Holy Spirit is within us and to give us that hope, knowing that this world cannot crush us. It can't. It can't. And I want to be like Paul and say, that's why I never give up. That's why I keep pressing forward because I know what waits for me. In Christ Jesus. Father God, as we just bow our hearts here today, I, I want to pray for everyone that's here today, God, who maybe is here and is um, 
doesn't have that hope is struggling in their lives, is struggling with with hope or maybe feels hopeless today, I, I pray for them today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and knowing that in this moment you're speaking to them and you're wanting to draw them to your side, Jesus. But it takes an act of our will that says, God, I, want, I need to come to you. I need to trust you. And I pray, God, for each individual here that has not done it, that they would just take that step and put their trust in you. I'm going to ask you this morning, if there's someone here this morning that says, Pastor Barden, would you just pray for me? I just need to put my hope in Christ. I need to put my hope in Christ. Is there anyone here today that would just say, Pastor Barden, that's me. Amen. Amen. Good. God sees your heart. He knows what you're going through. Father God, I thank you for those that are putting their hope in you right now. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's going to encourage us and help us to walk through our trials. And so Lord, I thank you for your presence here today and who you are, Jesus. You're so good. We just love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Listen.